0: My name is Megan Hempel. I am from New Hampshire and I am a health coach. Um, I guess you could call me a sugar addiction coach. Um, My company is Brain, Body and Beyond. And I basically teach people how to detox out of sugar and eat real food.
1: (laughs) All right. I like it because I feel like we are all addicted to sugar. At least everyone in America is, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So coming from my perspective, um, like in the endurance community, so I do a lot of trail running and cycling and stuff, obviously, but everyone's always talking about sugar and carbs, glucose, how it's like so important for performance and stuff. But before we jump too much into that, like I wanted to touch on, um, fuel sources. So we have like people always talk about like fat metabolism and like using carbs as fuel versus fat as fuel and stuff. So can we kind of do a general overview on, um, how the body utilizes different fuel sources?
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, most of America runs off of carbohydrates for fuel. And as an athlete myself and you, I know in the beginning, uh, before I went more, you know, down the low carb route, I thought people who, um, were, uh, not eating carbohydrates were absolutely insane. I thought they were absolutely crazy. Um, and I got to a place with my own health where I wanted to go the other route to experiment. And I think you, um, there's a transition period, right? So I'm I'm going a little off track, my bad, but so you can run off of carbs for fuel, or you can run off of fat for fuel. Um, but in order to become fat adapted, you have got to cut your carbs. And I think that's really scary for a lot of people, especially if you're in the endurance world, right? Because you're like, Oh my God, like that's, that's how I perform. Um, and there's, I don't know if it was that way for you, but there was a, a, quite a transition period for me. Was there for you?
1: Yeah. um, Where you're
0: like, my performance (laughs) sucked for a while. I'm going to be straight up about it. But everybody told me because I my parents um, were super into, you know, low carb and they were like, you need to be patient. You need to be patient. And I honestly think it all depends on how metabolically healthy or how metabolically dysfunctional you are in terms of that transition period until you get that, ah, okay, I'm going now and I'm running off of fat for fuel.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I remember like I always had like a very high sugar diet, like high carb, but just where I grew up was just normal. Like. There was high carb, high sugar all the time. And like, I'm like embarrassed to say it, but like, I used to have two rock stars or monsters a day type thing and just candy. I'm like, I'm going to go for a run. So I'm going to bring candy with me or like have gels or whatever. And say like, they're just straight sugar. This is how it worked. But then I always had stomach issues when I was out running or riding or something. I was like, hey, this kind of blows. Like it just, it was just kind of frustrating. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do a workout and I just feel like crap after, or even during the workout, you just feel terrible. But then I was like, okay, I got people doing, like, I have friends doing keto or just lower carb or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll try that. And that transition period sucked. Like, just being real, like, I was like, man, I can't even run a 10-minute mile right now. I just felt so tired. I remember just, like, coming home from work and just taking naps. Like, man, this is brutal. But then once you get past that phase and kind of figure things out, you're like, oh, like, food tastes better. I feel better. Like, things start clearing up medically. And it's just, it's awesome, honestly
0: it is and i think people just have to learn to be patient right and there is it does take time and but once you get after that hump you're like your brain starts like clearing up your focus is better you you're not having those those hangry crashes like i think we have normalized in our society being hangry hangry is not a good thing right yeah. it's it's a sign of um metabolic dysfunction, you know, and I would say like, n- is your hangry different now? Like I don't say I get hangry, but when I'm like ready to eat, I'm ready to eat. It, but I don't get like angry and like, Oh my God, I'm going to kill somebody.
1: Yeah. Same. Like, like last summer, just for example, I don't know why this thought came into my head, but um I was out at Western States 100, this kind of big running event in California. And we had a super busy morning where I got this group run thing for this brand. And then we had like a bunch of podcast calls and then we went out and ran like 10 miles. And I was like, I'm not even hungry right now. Like I just felt good the entire day. And like my brain was functioning fully, but then like other people that are out there were just like slamming gels and doing all these different things. And I'm like, man, like how crazy is that? That like, I can go half the day and like have a pretty, like, like mentally and physically intense day and be totally fine. And I was like, yeah, like we ate steak and stuff afterwards and felt great. But if I would have been like, I don't know, just burning carbs all day, like it would have been a very different experience or if I were more used to burning carbs, I should say.
0: You know what kind I don't know if the fascinating is the right word, but some of these, you know, endurance athletes, CrossFitters who are like, you know, minimal body fat shredded six packs that look super, super healthy. I would love to see like some of
1: their blood work. Same. I was actually talking to a friend about that the other day, like how interesting it would be to do that and like, just check out like all their levels and stuff and. And even just put like a CGM on them and see like well, what your blood glucose levels like. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's pretty wild, just like how much sugar we consume as endurance athletes. And like, like I, I'm not like 100 zero carb or like high carb, or whatever. I feel like there's a balance, and like there's different situations for different needs or different needs for different situations, whatever you would say. But um, but yeah, I think definitely just consuming a ton of processed junk all the time is just not. Good for you in general do you
0: do you perform better now now that you're a, a low carber um opposed to when you were doing high carb
1: oh 100 and i think some of the the reasons why is like one i've i've healed up my gut quite a bit like just cutting out grains and gluten especially has helped me a lot um and then that also just translates to the run and to the ride and stuff like if my stomach feels good like you're just gonna run better like if you don't feel like you have like this gut slosh and just just bricks. Yeah, exactly. You you feel so much better and you can just go. And then, and like a lot of like, what I'll do is like a lot of zone two type activities where I'm just cycling at kind of like a base level for a long time. And so like, you don't need sugar for that. And so definitely performance has improved. Like instead of just like taking 60 to 90 grams of carbs an hour and just feeling that crap in your stomach, you can go on minimal carbohydrates. But then like, once you're going to go like, say do intervals or big climbs, like, yeah, take some carbs at that point and and do well in that so definitely my performance has improved and everything else too like recovery is better which translates into better performance because then you can get back to workouts faster and you can do more volume and it's really wild how all these things just kind of like snowball in a very positive way
0: how long have you been doing it for
1: um i don't remember the exact day because it's definitely a transitional process where it kind of went like okay maybe i'll do like this paleo thing and then then hardcore keto and then kind of go back and forth until I figure things out, but definitely consistently for a few years now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, let's kind of carry on then. Cause before we started recording, we were kind of talking about like general health and mental health and how that's changed so much and how you were on, um, you're on medication for how many years was it?
0: it I was on meds for 17 years of my life.
1: Wow. Okay. So let's, let's backtrack. Let's get to the beginning of that. So like one, like why were you on meds and you don't have to go too personal if you don't want to.
0: No, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. So basically (laughs) I, when I was, my story, I would really say goes all the back, all the way back to age nine. Um, so I was a very obsessive compulsive child. My parents were, I was in and out of therapy, um, and they didn't know any better, right? I think most parents just want to do the best for their child. Um, and so they put me on medications. And so when I was put on meds uh, at age nine, I blew up like a balloon. So then I became like the chubby kid. Um, I, I had this undying appetite, like, no amount of food could soothe me or make me full um and so that's kind of where my relationship my shitty relationship with food started um and so i grew up you know in a in a fog uh, chronic anxiety, depression. I was never diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but if I had gone back to another therapist, they probably would have put me that just because my moods were all over the place. I was, you know, I had serious anger issues, just basically walking around like a zombie. Um, and learning was very, very difficult for me. School. Like I was friends with everybody. Um, and was kind of the class clown, but I, you know, I had, you know, my darkness back at home. And, um, so basically, um, I definitely had a sugar addiction and a food addiction, but I didn't recognize that until later on in my life. Um, and so age 25 came around and I was just basically sick of being a slave to big pharma. Um, I had at that age 16, I really got into fitness, um, and I started, you know, feeling and looking good. Um, Bulimic disorder. I had um, some bulimia um, at the time and that totally manifested and got worse throughout the years. Um, So age 25 came around and I was just like, you know what, like, I need to discover myself who I am without these drugs and I honestly didn't think I could do it until my friend was like, dude, do it because it's causing you so much harm. Found this book. It was called Anatomy of an Epidemic, which is basically just how, you know, our culture is over-prescribed and how how much it's hurting people. And it, it broke it down on like what these drugs actually do to the human body. And that was just kind of like it for me. And I cold turkeyed. And I don't ever, 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 ever recommend cold turkeying from drugs. I didn't know any better at the time, but it hurt me. And I mean, I was in psychiatric drug withdrawal for a good five years. Um, So during that time, I was trying to figure out my life, Um, my eating disorder, my food addiction was manifesting. Um, I was still kind of I was in the health and fitness space promoting, you know, health. And here I was, you know, addicted to food regularly making myself throw up. And I'm just like, you're, you're a fraud. You are a fraud. So during the time, that time, um, I was pursuing uh, the fire service and, um, I had just gotten out of a training burn one day. And after that, I went on this binge of just constant binging and purging, binging and purging. By the end of the night, I, um, was in the bathroom. My heart was beating out of my chest and I'm just like, kind of like spinning. And I just had like that moment for me was my aha moment of one year fraud. You need to turn your life around right now, or you're going to freaking die. Um, so my parents at the time had been living low carb. My dad had reversed his type two diabetes, um, lost a hundred pounds. My mother was eating this way for mental health purposes. She had really, you know, seen significant changes. Um, and I was so desperate that, um, I decided to, you know, give it a go. Cause I was, I needed desperate change. Uh, so, you know, almost four years later, I, 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 my relationship with food. I think I will forever work on my relationship with food. However, I have been set free from food addiction. I haven't had any kind of bulimic behaviors in almost four years. My mental health has improved immensely. Um, I take absolutely zero medications right now. And I think there is something to be said uh, for you were talking about, you know, gut health earlier and uh, there's really no sugar coding this, what you eat matters. Like it affects everything, how you think, how you feel. And I think so many people in the health space, uh, preach, you know, everything in moderation, balance this, balance that. Well, I mean, okay, cool. Well, balance in moderation does not work for everybody, especially if you're a food addict. And I know if I want to feel my very then I have to abstain from certain foods. And I would choose abstinence over a short-term high to feel better any day of the week.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I'd much rather be addicted to feeling good than addicted to sugar and having these like repercussions from it.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. And it's very, it's very black and white. I mean, I have worked with um some clients, and you know, I think some people um they, they either want their health or they don't. And I have had people who are pre-diabetic type two diabetes. And I will say, look, like if you do not give up those carbohydrates, you're not going to reverse disease and you're you're going to die early. And some people still choose their addiction, which is very sad.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's like you're choosing <laughs> your addiction over a better quality of life. You're choosing addiction over like essentially like your family and your loved ones. I and mean, it, it sounds kind of bad, but I feel like it's kind of selfish. It's like, I want to just eat all this crap and I don't want to care about my kids and like what's going to happen to me when they have to take care of me or when I die from this disease.
0: Yeah. And I mean, how beautiful and empowering is it that you could potentially reverse these illnesses all by what you choose or not choose to put in your mouth? I mean, how easy is that? but not at the same time for some people.
1: Yeah. I think like on paper, it's really simple. It's like, okay. Don't eat excess carbohydrates. Don't eat a bunch of hyper-processed stuff. But then like actually coming to terms with that is hard. Like when you're addicted to something, whether it's food or like a drug or whatever, like it's hard to break that cycle. It does take like a defining moment to to kind of break out of it.
0: Yeah. And I think there's definitely like, it's so much more than food too. Right. Like I, I think there is a huge emotional Piece to it, there's also um, habits, right? Like, if you have been using food to cope with your problems your whole life, or to soothe, or, um, you know, feed yourself besides nourishing your body, you know, for, for pleasure, there's definitely a behavior thing that that it needs to be worked on, you know? Um, I think, like, with a lot of my clients, my successful clients who have overcome food addiction, which is totally doable, if I can do it, if I have clients doing it, if a lot of people in the world are doing it, like, so can you, right? Um, But I think you have to be um, all in in the terms of really working on those behavior patterns and, you know, the emotion with food and really looking at food in a whole new perspective like food is for nourishment it is to fuel your body and that's what it needs to be used for and nothing else i'm not saying don't enjoy your food but if you have an addictive personality with food you need to stay away from the foods that are triggering you
1: yeah and it's really interesting how in society now especially in the united states we're just you can get anything you want almost any time of the year like like it's december and you want whatever you can get it. Like you can get something from across the world and you can get fresh avocados if you wanted to, or any other sort of like crappy food. Not that avocados are crappy food for you, but you know what I mean? No, you like get it, anything it, you want. like
0: th- Things that aren't seasonal you can yeah. get. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I get yeah. That. And
1: I think life is so easy for us. We've kind of become very, I don't know, gluttonous maybe is the right word for that. And it's just Yeah. Easy Cause all we have to do lunch.
0: is snap our fingers.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's In, there. have to leave your house you can just uber eat something and you can have some wild food dish at your door in in an hour and like it's pretty crazy but it's sad though because we've kind of treated food like this like pleasure item versus like a a nourishment item and that's really what it is it's like to nourish you so you can do things in life and i don't know go ahead
0: well in in the in the mental health right if we're talking about mental health i can understand too like when you're like say you're dealing with you know anxiety and depression um, or you'd say you're just going through a really hard time in your life. I think a lot of people uh, use food as a coping mechanism and and a lot of people will justify, oh, you know what? I've been going through a really difficult time right now. Like, I'm just going to eat the cookies. I'm going to eat the Ben and Jerry's. And what's actually happening is, one, they're making themselves sicker, and they're just digging themselves in a deeper, deeper hole. You know, I'm a human being. I go through many difficult times throughout my life. Uh, within the last four years I have but I have worked so hard on my relationship with food and I am very aware of my old patterns. And I know that if I was to go and devour a pint of Ben and Jerry's, I would be hurting myself. I would be sabotaging myself and it would only make my my mental health decline that much more. So people have to really work on their like emotional management toolbox, right? So when you are in a bad place, what are the things that I can do to cope, to make myself better that aren't gonna hurt me?
1: Yeah. And does that vary, I guess, from person to person? Cause like, I'm sure you and I have both totally. very different lives.
0: Yeah. That's- yeah. And, and, and that's actually what I, I coach my clients is, okay, I want you to work on your emotional management toolbox and that can look different for everybody. Right. But it needs to be helping you and healing you and not hurting you. So maybe that is, I'm going to go for a 30 minute walk or I'm going to call a friend or I'm going to journal or anything that's you know that you want it to be that's good for you
1: yeah it's interesting thinking (laughs) about that because I have a friend who like years ago um, was an alcoholic and he'll admit it like he's like I had problems with alcohol and everything and he hasn't had to drink in I don't even know how long like years probably six seven eight years or something maybe even longer (laughs) I don't remember the exact um, numbers there but he still calls himself an alcoholic like he's saying like yeah I'm an alcoholic and I so I will never touch it and I feel it's kind of the same way with sugar where we're all addicted to sugar, essentially, just because like how we're raised, we're kind of just like, like a Coke baby. Like, we're just, yeah, we're just raised eating sugar. So we're just addicted to it from like the day we're born. And even though we break, we can break away from that, like we still kind of have that like addiction in the back of our heads. I feel like at least I know personally, maybe I'm just externalizing. Oh, how I feel. no,
0: I think honestly, so I, I don't know what you call it, but I call it food sobriety for me. And mm-hmm. I had to come to a place of it's kind of like AA, right? Like the first, the, the first step to healing and recovery is acceptance, right? Like you have got to accept that you are not like everybody else. You have an addiction, a problem with sugar, and you cannot touch it. So if an alcoholic goes to have one sip of beer, you know very well that that one sip is gonna probably turn into um, a a 12 pack or God knows what. Somebody like me who is 100% sugar addict and I have to say that. And you know what? I don't have any shame of that. Me being vocal about my sugar addiction, and talking about it and not being shameful about it is what keeps me food sober. And I think more people struggle with food addiction than not. But nobody, it's not a subject that people talk about. If anything, people laugh about it. But it's nothing to be laughed about. Because if you want to continue your sugar addiction, have fun, because you're going to end up having type two diabetes, heart disease, all of the things that you don't want. So it needs to be taken very seriously. So I think talking about it and not, you know, keeping it a secret is extremely extremely helpful. So, like I said, a sugar addict, you give them a cookie, god knows what that's going to turn into. I know for me it would turn into the whole box of cookies, probably a box of cereal, ice cream and I'm going to be eating myself sick and p- putting into food coma. And I'm not kidding. Like it's it, w- it was that bad.
1: And I believe you because I I can relate 100% cuz I'm like, "Oh, I'll just have like a little bit of this." And then I'm like, "I'll be at home and like oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store." And it's like almost like Like you're, you're not like, you know what you're doing, you know, you're doing something wrong, but your brain is just like, you're just kind of going through the motions. Like I'll go buy a box of Captain Crunch and then I'll be like, oh, and then I want some candy to eat afterwards. It's like, why am I doing this? And I know I'm going to feel like garbage after, but you just do it. Your body just like, just does it. And it's really, I
0: don't know if it was like this for you, but for me, I literally would compare it to like a beast would literally, it was like a beast just like comes inside of Megan's body and she is just ready to freaking go to town. It's like, it's like, I mean, I've never shot up heroin before, but I, (laughs) I, it's kind of like, Oh, like it's like you get that hit, right. And you get that hit and you just want more and more and more and more. And, you know, I think food freedom, right. Everybody has maybe not everybody, but you hear about food freedom in the space frequently. And like, for me, food freedom is not eating foods that steal my peace, right? Like that's how I stay free. I don't ever want to be a slave to food ever again. I hated hyper-focusing on, oh my gosh, like, when am I going to have this next? And just not touching certain things just keeps my life like, ah, so much more peaceful. Um, can I ask you a question?
1: Yeah, go for it. Let's, swoop, let's swap the interview around here.
0: Where, where do you, where do you stand, um, with because you're you're you are you a recovering sugar addict?
1: I would definitely say that. Yeah. Okay, I, d- I definitely say I'm still a sugar addict because if I touch it, like I go right back into that cycle, and I I have to stay away from it.
0: Okay, so when you have like. Um, monk fruit stevia or like some of the keto treats how does that affect you does it kind of fire your brain the same way and like you want more of those or are those not triggering to you
1: um yes i know that doesn't answer your question (laughs) so definitely yeah because they do give you that sweetness even though they are like not sugar like say if i have like something stevia in it i'm like oh that was really good because it's kind of sweet and then it's kind of like Okay, maybe I'll have a little bit of candy or something. And that just kind of starts that cycle. And I've done experiments where I've just, okay, I'm going to do zero like non-nutritive sweeteners or artificial sweeteners. And then like that kind of sugar like addiction, like just really gets pushed to the back of my brain. But say I'm having like some sort of electrolyte drink with stevia in it. It's like, okay, like, oh, that was good. And I'm like, I usually just want more of that, but then I will be like, okay, I want like real sugar now. And so it's almost like it's a gateway sounds weird like a gateway drug no it doesn't sound
0: weird i i'm i'm 100 with you i i'm almost four years into this lifestyle and i've definitely healed my relationship with food like i said i mean i think i'll it's something that i will never be able to get complacent with like i will always have to be you know working on the relationship piece however i have tried experimenting with you know you know like rebel ice cream or some of like the low-carb ketogenic treats And I know for me personally, those are things like I will still have them, but I don't like to have them very often. And I do have to be very, very careful with them. I can say like, I will never touch sugar or, you know, cookies, cakes, any of that stuff ever again, because I'm genuinely like. I, I'm, I'm so terrified of going back to the place that I was. So I will never touch that. However, when it comes to ketogenic treats, I definitely have to be careful. It is a slippery slope, slippery slope in the sense of um, I don't want to binge on those things because a food addict can binge on anything. Mm -hmm. you know, and it definitely any kind of sweetness, whether it's sugar or stevia or monk fruit. Okay. Yeah. Maybe stevia and monk fruit doesn't spike your blood sugar the same way that, you know, sugar does, but it definitely lights up a same place in the brain that makes you want to eat more than you need to.
1: Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And I think a lot of these keto treats and stuff too, like obviously just because it's keto doesn't mean it's healthy. Number one, and I think a lot of people confuse was like, oh, it's keto. So it must be good for me. It's like, no, like you look at a quest bar, for example, like, oh, my God, I don't even know what's in those. And like when I was like, when I initially did a keto thing, I was like, oh, I'm going to eat these because like they're healthy because they're keto. And then after a while, I'm like, wait a second. One, these taste like plastic, like they're disgusting, but like you, you don't even recognize the ingredients in them. It's not yeah. real food. like it's so much and- better to eat real food.
0: It is. And I tell like, that's one of the first things that I tell my clients when they first start working for me, working with me, um, is to avoid all of the packaged foods in the grocery stores that say keto on them, because I can uh, almost guarantee they're not what you think they are. And they're super highly palatable and they're going to make you want more. Um, and I think the sad thing is, is a lot of people think that they're eating healthy, when they're not, because mm. of marketing, right? Like put put a label on keto and make anybody believe it's good
1: for you. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like oh, like it's it's low carb. There's only one gram of net carbs, but it's like, well, what's in there? It's like erythritol, sucralose. How many yeah, artificial sweeteners? Yeah, and you sweeteners? look
0: on you look on the back and it total like one net net carb, and then you look on the back and it's like thirty total carbs.
1: Yeah, and not to mention yeah. like sugar alcohols, which are definitely terrible not
0: for, for you. your gut.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know, like, like, we were talking about like, just gut issues earlier. And like, that's the one reason why I got really interested in diet and nutrition is because like growing up just had major gut issues. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe just like these things will help. And then I noticed that when I was eating artificial sweeteners, like in a heavy amount, like specifically from keto treats, like, wow, like, this makes me not feel very well. But then like eating honey, for example, I know, it's not necessarily a keto food, my body processes it well. And because it's like, well, it's a natural food, it's like actual food instead of some lab made, like synthetic junk.
0: Yep yeah, yep yeah.
1: pretty fascinating but it is
0: fascinating and it's it's fascinating how much food does affect you and the sad part is is i think not a lot of people want to give up the things that are hurting them
1: yeah cuz it's an addiction i think a lot of like just for example like a drug addict like there's this an addiction is, is an addiction, whether it's like a drug addiction, sex addiction, addiction, like whatever it is, like you're addicted to it. And it's like, it's changed the wiring in your brain and you got to fix that. And like, I don't care if it's sugar or something else. If you're addicted to it, like you're addicted to it. Like it, Well, it, in, and in
0: back, back to what you said about, you know, we can have anything at our fingertips, right? And when it comes to your health, restoring your health, um, it doesn't work like that right like it takes time it takes time to do all of that it takes time to change your behaviors your patterns your cycles and that unfortunately is there's no quick fix for that
1: yeah and sadly like we do live in a society where people are like oh well i'll just take metformin or the statin or whatever i don't want to change my diet or go for a walk once a day because i can just take a pill like it's so much easier But then we see the negative repercussions of that where society is not getting healthier. If anything, we're getting sicker, but we know how to fix it. But people just want the easy way out. And that's with everything. Like, I don't know, I'm sure like in any sort of like athletic community, it's like, well, I'll just take this supplement or I'll just I'll do this one thing. And that's going to like like you see like the clickbait videos on YouTube. It's like do these three things to become a pro athlete or do these three things to cure your obesity It's like no like yeah it no it doesn't work, work like that <laughs> like it's a process right and it requires a lot of like mental effort on your end to to make things happen
0: yeah but the beautiful piece is there are still a lot of, there are people that are turning their lives around and those people like i'm just like one by one we can inspire people we can encourage people and that's what it's going to take to you know turn it all around is just one person at a time and you know <clears throat> not to talk shit or anything, but. You're not going to find true health in a doctor's office.
1: Yeah, I 100% can agree with that because like I was saying, growing up, I had my stomach issues and stuff and I go to the doctor, they're like, oh, we'll just take this pill or don't do this or just do that. And like, do this one thing that's going to change everything. It's like, no, like it required like an actual change on my end to make things happen. And like the doctors really just didn't care. They're like, well, I'll just prescribe you something in 10 minutes and you'll be out of here. And then you come back in a month and you're still sick i'll prescribe you something else it's like that's the medical industry is super messed up
0: well and and you know not to talk i'm not trying to talk shit on medical doctors because i think there's a time and a place for them (laughs) but i think we have to remember that doctors study pharmacology right Mm -hmm. they don't study root cause healing so you know i not to mention um and i've asked I have asked multiple doctors this question whether how long they study nutrition and um Dr. Barry Dr. Ken Barry told me that they, it is true that they they study about 1 month in 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 med school which is literally insane right so you probably don't want to take nutritional advice from your your medical doctor either
1: yeah and even more so like like the USDA and the FDA like and I don't know if you looked through like their recent PDF on like what's a healthy diet. Like it's just full of like yeah, you can have ten percent of your calories from processed sugar. Well,
0: you can... did you see the the like the latest? I don't know the food pyramid, whatever the smart yeah. plate, or I don't know, but like we're somewhere in there. It said like Lucky Charms are healthier for you than steak. Like oh my god, yeah. That, that I that feel, like who's going to believe that? Who is going to believe that?
1: But people know. do, though, like if you look at it, like if you look at like Google trends and stuff like obesity and like when um like when the USDA MyPlate stuff comes out or these new studies come out, people listen to the government because they think of them as an authoritative source. But They're not realizing that all of this, like these so-called studies, like they're just bought off lobbying. That's really what it comes down to. Like there's a reason why the government's suggesting to eat soybeans and corn and wheat. It's because they're subsidizing that stuff based off of lobbying. And it's wild because it's terrible for your health. Like the government is telling you to eat soybean oil and and seed oils over beef. Over
0: beef (laughs) tallow.
1: Yeah, it's freaking wild to me. And then people will tell you like, oh, well, you're eating butter. So you're unhealthy because the government says to eat canola oil. It's like that's 100% hyper processed garbage that should never go in your body. Yeah,
0: that's used for like to clean machinery or grease machinery, not your freaking body.
1: Yeah, it's gonna clean you out if anything after, right before it yeah, kills you. It's gonna,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that we've like started to demonize all these things over the years. It's like okay, for generations we've eaten meat and animal products, and suddenly it's like oh, they're bad for you. We're blaming,
0: then... we're blaming the, like the most ancient foods for the diseases we're seeing today.
1: Yeah, it, it's wild, and so and you can see the correlation there. Like as people start eating more refined foods and packaged foods. Like these disease rates go up. And everyone's like, well, why is it happening? It must be the beef. It must be the saturated fats. Like those things don't correlate because, or even just like with dental health, like cavities were basically non-existent a few hundred years ago. Yeah. People still had them to some extent, but like the more refined crap that we eat, like our, our jawbone structures change. Our, our teeth not, and to, our dental health.
0: not to mention the processed foods, right. Are literally engineered to be addictive. So we keep coming back for more and more and more.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because it's like there, there's like zero like nutrition in say a bag of Doritos. So you can eat an entire bag of Doritos and your body's like, well, I ate food, but like, I'm not, I'm full. still hungry. I'm not. Yeah. You're still hungry because you're not getting any nutrition out of it. So then it's like, well, then I'll have this other thing. I'll have like this cake you know, and I don't have cookies. And at some point you will fill up because your stomach can't handle anymore, but you're not being like nourished at all. You're just kind of, you're just eating. No.
0: What helpful. kills me um, is seeing the the younger generation and how overweight and obese children are, and it's it's very very sad because I mean it's it's just it something needs to be done with it. Like the schools, right? Like what they're feeding the kids, like it's it, it's insane.
1: Yeah, like if you look at what um, who was it? I think recently it was like Kraft or some of these big food conglomerates signed a deal with the government to make like school lunches and it's like it's complete garbage. Like none of it is real food, but it's all things that are subsidized with. So it's cheap. And they can sell it back yep. essentially to the Well, government. same
0: with our hosp same with our hospitals too. Yeah. Like so bad. So bad.
1: Yeah. Like you see like what people eat at the hospital. It's like, oh well, you just had heart, like whatever heart surgery and now we're gonna give you orange juice and sugar and, and crackers yogurt.
0: and some muffins. I'm like, oh my God.
1: Yeah. And I guarantee you, it's like if you ever looked at the ingredients of like you ever go to Costco and they have those muffins there that like I'd always eat those corn
0: syrup.
1: the first ingredient sugar it's like that's not even a muffin it's literally just like it's like a, a vehicle of sugar with some like other random ingredients in it like it's it's disgusting but we're taught that that's healthy like have a donut yeah. and orange juice for breakfast because that's what you should eat it's like oh my gosh it's terrible
0: yeah it is and all we can do is educate right educate people and hopefully spread the good word word so things can turn around because we are in an epidemic right now it's bad
1: one hundred percent. I think like It, it kind of goes back to the old saying of like lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I know it's super cliche to say, but it's like if you're just a good example, it's, it's like, OK, I'm health, I'm healthy and I'm happy and my life has changed. Like if you are that example, people will see that and be like, oh, what did you do to to cure this or to just be happy? Or you look so much better. Like, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm eating real food and I'm not eating a bunch of processed crap every day. And so you just you look ha- happier and healthier when you do that. and People will notice that difference.
0: Yeah, it's true. Your skin glows differently too when you take all of that shit out of your body.
1: Yeah, that's like the crazy thing too. It's like, like, I don't know, I feel like all these younger kids, especially like, oh, I have acne or I have whatever. It's like, well, if you stop eating McDonald's and drinking Monsters every day, maybe your skin will clear up because it probably would, honestly.
0: (laughs) Well, totally. I mean, your skin, if you've got bad skin issues, I mean, that's the insides of your body screaming for help. It really is.
1: Yeah, because your skin is just a giant organ, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Like,
0: and if you want to, I will say, if you want to stay young and look good for as long as you can, stop eating processed foods.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think people are just like, no, like I want to have my my cake and my beer at night or whatever. It's like, oh, geez.
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I want to get to 80 and still be kicking it you know, and I want to try and avoid all of these modern day diseases. And to do that, stay away from the the shitty food, right?
1: Yeah, no, like 100%. And like it's interesting, you see these people that are older, and that are just like still doing things, and they're active. And it's like, yeah, there are anomalies where some people still eat junk, and they smoke every day and whatever. But like, for the most part, like, if you're eating properly, you can still be very active, like, you're not going to go win a like, I don't know, like a hundred meter dash or a mile sprint or whatever, but like you can still have a very happy life and healthy life. Yep. And you're going to feel good. You don't need to be taking 10 medications every day just to survive. Or be
0: settings. in a, or be in a nursing home.
1: Yeah. And it which sad. Yeah. Like it's, it's is sad because so many of these things are preventable and you know that they're preventable, but then it's also like, well, it's their life. They can choose to do what they want, but it's also really sad to see that happen, to see somebody fall apart simply because of their diet.
0: Yep. I mean, I was in the fire service for a very short period. I actually had a br- traumatic brain injury that took my career. But the short time that I was in the the fire service, I would say that uh, all of the patients I would see on the ambulance, most of these, you know, sicknesses, ailments were all self-induced
1: from mm-hmm. poor lifestyle.
0: And it yeah. doesn't have to be like that.
1: Yeah, really, it really doesn't. Like, but it's like, we all make that choice to, like, do we want to go for even just like a walk today? Like sometimes just to struggle to get people to go for a walk. And it's like doing something simple. Is that not even like going for a run, but like, just go for a 20 minute walk, like after you eat a meal or something or.
0: Yep. Start small, right? Like it's, this is a lifelong journey. And I think that if somebody is, you know, so sick and and can't get out of bed, start with a 10 minute walk a day, right? Start super small, then slowly start incorporating other things or taking certain things out of your diet and just start there. And little by little, you're going to make huge strides.
1: Yeah. And then you kind of change one addiction with like, instead of like, I'm addicted to sugar, I'm addicted to feeling better because like, wow, I have more energy or like my skin looks better. So how can I keep making it look better? Or I just feel better in general. Like, how can I feel even better? So it's like, it sounds weird to say, but it's like a positive addiction cycle versus a negative addiction cycle.
0: Yep. And it's honestly, it's, it's so simple. It really is simple. And it it's also pretty b- black and white. And I think you either I'm not trying to sound like a bitch, but you either want it or you don't, you know, like there's no in between.
1: Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. And I think There's just different types of people in society. Like Some people are just fine. like I'm just going to be comfortable and do nothing with my life. And others want to be a high performer or a high achiever. And like they're motivated and they're willing to make sacrifices. Because it is kind of a sacrifice. It's like, am I going to go out and drink with my friends on Friday? Or am I going to eat real food and go to bed at a decent time so I can have a good workout the next day?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a sacrifice. But it's a sacrifice for something way greater than a short-term high. That's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, 100%. You got to look long-term versus short-term.
0: And when you start feeling good, right, like you, you really don't even want those things anymore. Like I can genuinely say that. Like I've had people ask me, do you, do you miss, you know, cookies and cake and ice cream? And I really don't because I know how terrible it made me feel. And I don't ever want to go back there.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. And There are definitely times where I eat that stuff. And I'm just like, why did I eat this? Not because I'm like, like, not that like I feel bad about like, eating this is i just feel like garbage i'm like and then i know yeah. the repercussions because then i'll go for a run the next day i'm like well now my, my performance suffers and my recovery suffers i'm like if i wouldn't have had like that pizza and whatever the night before i wouldn't have had all this like excess inflammation i wouldn't have like an upset stomach right now and i wouldn't have had to go to the bathroom five times on my run i know it's tmi yeah so you like, can <laughs> tell the
0: di- no you can tell the difference a hundred percent
1: yeah and i guess we become more in tune with our bodies you realize that like okay maybe a little bit of sugar actually hurts me more than people say and people that aren't used to that don't realize that
0: or even artificial sweeteners for me like if i have a rebel ice cream or a lily's sugar-free chocolate um let me tell you because i don't do it that often I, I'm i in pain like it hurts my stomach and it is not fun and every time that I do it I'm like oh my god why did I do that and that's yeah. like I, I feel like that's a, like a, a sign from the body saying like you're you've been so good to me and you just did something and I hate you right now please don't do it again
1: yeah for real your body's like why would you ingest this junk that's not good for you it tasted good but it's yeah not was
0: good. it worth it <laughs>
1: Yeah. So it kind of, I don't know. I was just thinking about this. Um, there's like the quote, I don't remember the exact quote. I'm gonna massacre. I always do this. I always just like butcher quotes and like, kind of just like get the gist of it. But it's like something about yeah, how yeah. like, like you become like the sum of the 10 people you spend the most time with. Something about that. And so like, I've noticed that in my life that like when I spend time with people, like my my buddy, Mike and my buddy, Jeff, and just other friends that just eat properly. And like, we talk about diet because we find it fascinating and, and running and stuff. Like it's way easier to eat a proper diet because you're with people doing the same thing versus when I spend time, like say I'm on a film shoot or a photo shoot and it's just like, well, now we're going to eat whatever crap that they brought on set to eat. And it's just like junk food, essentially. It's so much harder to eat properly. So like, what are your thoughts then about like spending your or maximizing your time with people that have the same values as you?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. That's probably why my circle is so, so small. Um It. I, I think the people who you hang out with are the people you become. I mean, have you ever looked at groups of people, right? Like you've got, you know, the people who may be going out to dinner all of the time and food is like their, their number one hobby. And then you have people who are, you know, super fit and, you know, eat nutritiously. Like you can, you definitely, you can see the difference of who hangs out with who basically. Um, am I right?
1: No, you're hundred percent right. Like I think like birds of a feather flock together, right? So like, you, you're going to hang out with who you feel comfortable with, but also like, I think if you want to have like high goals, like or big goals, is, like hanging out with people with those same goals or people that are just motivated, even with different goals is very motivating.
0: Oh, totally. And I think, um, when you're not hanging out, I, this is what I see like with like people that I, I work with, there is, um, not so much myself but there is still a lot of um what is the word uh peer pressure as adults um you know with people you know trying to live a healthy life and then they're going out to a function and these adults are peer friends are peer pressuring them because they're not you know drinking alcohol or you know eating the things, you know? Um, so it definitely like, it makes life so much easier when you're spending time with people who are encouraging you, inspiring you, motivating you, respecting you for your choices. I don't think there is anything wrong with wanting to feel good and look good, you know, like, and, and, and you want to be your best self. Like that's what I want. And I, I would want the same for my friend.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's 100%. I feel about it too. And it, it's interesting that like you mentioned like alcohol and stuff because like i i stopped drinking a couple of years ago and when i first started doing that all these people like especially in like the running community it's like really common to like go for a group run then go to a brewery after
0: get a beer yeah <laughs> yeah
1: let's go run and get a beer it's like okay whatever and like as i've cut that out like i've actually i guess i wouldn't even call them friends anymore like these acquaintances that i've had like don't even want to hang out anymore because i've made this choice in my life so it's like i've whittled down friendships to like a smaller group of people but they're way more quality and I think yep. this, as I've gotten older, I've realized that that quality is way more important than the quantity of friends yep. that you
0: have. Yeah, 100%. And I also like, there'll be an occasional times where I'll go out to dinner with friends and I'm definitely that girl who is probably your worst nightmare when you order, when I order my food <laughs> because I am super psycho about it because I um I like to feel good. And I know, like, I actually prefer cooking at home honestly, just because I know everything that's going into my body, because as you know, going to a restaurant, it's very hard without, I mean, you're probably going to catch some seed oils, you know? Um, but I have no problem with being that person and, you know, making sure that I order my food the way that, you know, I want it. But I think a lot of people, it's hard for some people because they don't want to be that person. Like, Oh, well, can you put this on the side? Make sure this doesn't come on the plate.
1: Yeah. And honestly, like, I, I, this is like a weird thing about me. Like I, when I order, I get really stressed out. Like it really makes me, me nervous. Too! Like Oh my yeah. God, me too. That's so funny that you feel that way. Cause I hate being like that person. And so like, I'll have like an idea in my mind. i repeat the order like 10 times. Like I want this, 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 and this. And like, whatever. So I hate being that person of like, oh, are there seed oils or whatever? But it is this necessary though for your health. And it's really important to know. And so I've kind of made it the habit, even though it makes you feel uncomfortable. And I don't even know why this makes me uncomfortable. I can talk about anything else, but then like, Asking about a menu for some reason stresses me out, and but I was on this bike packing trip the other day. It was just a couple days, and um, I went through this little town called Patagonia, and there's a really good coffee shop there. It's like oh, I want to get a coffee because like whatever. So I go in, and the woman, um, she was super nice. She's like, "Well, do you want a breakfast menu?" I'm like, "Oh heck yeah, you guys have bacon and eggs here, and I know that." And then I was thinking, I was like, well, "I'll bet they cook in seed oils." and I could, I look back and I could see the grill, and there's this massive thing of canola oil just sitting there. And so I asked her, I'm like, "What kind of oil do you guys use?" And could you use butter to cook instead? And she asked the guy that was cooking back there and he was all pissy about it. And he's just like, no, we use vegetable oil. So no. And the woman was just like, yeah, sorry, we use vegetable oil. And I felt kind of bad because it kind of seemed like they weren't on the best of terms, like this woman and this guy in the back. But at the same time, I was like, well, I don't want to eat that because one, I'm riding my bike for multiple days. I don't want to feel like garbage. I know the repercussions of that. So I just got a coffee and it was fine instead. But I was like, man, it really That's wish-
0: bad. That's bad customer service right there. I don't like that.
1: <laughs> well, she was great in her defense. She was awesome. She was very nice about it. She's like, yeah, sorry, we do this. But the guy in the back was just kind of like, yeah, screw you.
0: <laughs> well, that reminds me. So I went out to um, I went out to a lunch a-, a couple weeks ago and this restaurant in particular is uh, she claims it to be a farm to table restaurant, but cooks all of her seed, cooks all of her food and seed oils. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't really want to go there. But they have like this really cool outdoor seating area. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go with my friend. So basically, I got really nervous ordering my food because there wasn't that many things on there. Basically, anytime I go out to dinner, I'm, I'm probably going to, they're going to be customizing it a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of getting like choked up on my words a little bit because I was, I was stressed out about it. Yes. And she literally, the owner, she was the owner. She says to me, why don't you look at the menu and read to me what you want? And I tip me, I am very outspoken and I don't let anyone ever disrespect me, but I was literally, I don't know. I was so thrown off and blown away. I didn't even say anything. And, uh, I literally was like, butthurt about it for like two weeks. And I, I didn't, I wasn't going to write a review. I wasn't going to be that person. Cause I live in a small area and I just didn't want to deal with drama, but I was because of that, I will never, ever, ever, ever go back to that restaurant. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because i too too get stressed out sometimes <laughs> ordering my food
1: that's really funny i'm glad i'm not the only one i have a couple friends that make fun of me for it but i'm like i don't know why but like in the end though i've thought about it. like okay like it's more important for me to feel uncomfortable and Good. properly than to be like yeah. oh well, i'll just have this salad with canola oil on it or eat this steak that i know was grilled with some sort of like crappy seed oil
0: and when you eat super clean like most of the time and then you have something that's not super clean. You notice the difference significantly.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit because um, I've had this discussion with friends. So I travel like I've cut back on traveling quite a bit. But like the past few years, is like a ton of traveling for work. And I don't really get to choose what I'm eating. It's kind of like make the best in, in a poor situation type thing. Mm -hmm. And when people, I think, are just at home all the time or you work in kind of a normal nine to five job, it's a lot easier to have your consistent diet because you can, if you want to, you can meal prep, you can always cook at home. But like, what are your thoughts on, and there's no right or wrong answer here. I'm just curious because I do this. Sometimes I'll eat like, quote unquote, like unhealthy foods a little bit, just so my stomach can kind of stay adjusted to that. I don't have like this massive shock if I eat super well, like according to me for six months and then go eat a hamburger. So sometimes I'll have like little bits of things to kind of like, It sounds weird, but kind of like microdose a little bit on bad foods, So that way, like, I'm not totally shocked when I eat it again in a massive or a bigger amount. Yeah. So so what are your thoughts about that? Like, I know it's not ideal, but do you think that's appropriate?
0: Well, so this is my thing. You, if, if, if you were one of my clients and you're a full blown sugar addict, I would say, don't be dabbling with any of that shit. Mm -hmm. However. When you, I also work with a lot of, um, busy professionals that are traveling all of the time and you have got to make do with what, what you have to, and, and try to make it sustainable. Right. So do I think seed oils are ter- terrible, for you? Yes. Do I think you're going to be able to avoid them all of the time when you're out, you know, traveling? Probably not. So I say, do your very best with minimizing your exposures to these things so like if you're at home you know you know very well that you can avoid those but when you're out to dinner so like i'll tell a lot of my clients because a lot of my clients are you know meat based um do i think mcdonald's is the optimal beef probably not but i rather you go get beef patties From and some bacon at McDonald's than going to freaking Pizza Hut or Domino's and eating a full slice of pizza or Chipotle. Like you can go to Chipotle, get a meat bowl, um, you know, sugar-free beef jerkies. I mean, go to a sub shop, get a steak and cheese sub and put it on a bed of lettuce. Like there is so many things you can do. Do I think it's a hundred percent optimal? No, but you're it's also it's it's you doing your best. So do your best with what you have in that moment.
1: Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And because I I've basically have done the same thing. Like, say I'm flying now. All well, one it's easiest to bring stuff with you, right? Like, okay, like okay, I'm not obviously not going to go buy soda in the airport, but you can bring like you can just bring your water bottle with you. Then you're not tempted to go out and buy even just a bottle of water. You can have filtered water just right there, and it's free. And you can bring exactly. some snacks with you or you can fast. Like I love fasting when I'm flying because you just don't have to think about it. It's like, well, I'm just going to fast for these 18 or 24 hours or whatever. You're not tempted to eat the crappy like airplane cookies or the peanuts or whatever. And Can I
0: like, just say it's fascinating whenever I'm on the airplane, because I can't believe people can't go like three hours without putting food in their mouth when they hand out all of the free snacks. I'm just like, dear God.
1: It's freaking wild. I'm like, You're so addicted that you, and people sometimes will freak out about it. Like, oh, there's no snacks on this 45 minute flight. I'm like, you can't go 45 minutes without your diet Coke and like a bag of peanuts. Like like, give me a break. Your
0: trail mix.
1: Yeah. Which is just M&Ms and candy anyways. (laughs) Yep. It's pretty interesting. So like, I guess besides that, like, do you have any other tips for like while traveling to, um, to kind of avoid sugars and seed oils?
0: Yeah. So uh, if you have been living the low carb lifestyle for some time, I think fasting is a great, great thing. Also, uh, knowing your, your, triggers and what to stay away from, but also going in prepared. So like, I know for myself and my clients, I say, you know, um, sugar-free meat sticks, um, uh, I love carnivore crisps. It's literally there's carnivore crisps and cor- carnivore snacks, but it's literally like dehydrated meat in a bag. It's like 24 grams of protein, you know, will totally uh, satiate you for long periods of time. But a lot of these um, airport stores too have, you know, hard boiled eggs now and deli meats. Um, but this is what I also say is, when there's a will, there there's always away you can always find animal protein like you really can unless you're at like I don't know a gas station or something but at the airport like you know get a salad with protein like it's it's very very easy and it does not need to be complicated is it going to be the the best tastiest meal probably not but it's going to sustain you for your next you know meal
1: yeah. Like think long-term about it. Like, yeah, maybe I'm just basically having snacks for lunch or something, but then I'll have a real dinner or something, like something that can hold you over.
0: Exactly. And yeah. just stay away from bread. Okay. Just stay away from bread. It does no good to anybody. So, you know, like I've, I've heard before, like, well, you know, like they only had, you know, this and I'm like, well, you could have taken the bread off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, that easy. <laughs> for real though, yeah, and it's like totally what you're saying. And I think even financially too, Like, just, you know, obviously airports are like stupid expensive. Like everything's overpriced for no reason. Like it doesn't make any sense. Since I guess because you're just trapped in there at the second. The yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're
0: stuck there and have no other choice. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like one time I flew in, it was like we were on a work thing, and it was like, okay, every meal was like $40 for like a hamburger and a drink or something. But if you think about it, it's like, well, if you go to say, I don't know if you guys have natural grocers or there's obviously it's a health food store, whatever. But yeah, like, we
0: have a Whole Foods and
1: okay, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can go, you can go to Whole Foods and you could buy like forty dollars worth of just, for example, just like meat and like different type of portable options. So you can essentially spend the same or less amount of money by just doing an hour of planning beforehand. Like stop at Whole Foods yep. or even just a Safeway or whatever grocery store you have.
0: Yeah, I also have a really great traveling hack to anybody who is, you know. On you know flying a lot and doesn't like people sitting next to them, just pack some canned fish, canned <laughs> oysters, <laughs> crack it open. It'll be it'll be a really peaceful ride.
1: Yeah, if you're flying Southwest, you know like when you pick the seats, just open up some like anchovies or sardines right yeah, there. You're gonna exactly. have a, a lot of leg room. <laughs>
0: yep, totally.
1: That is actually kind of one of my go tos. Also, um, like just canned mackerel and canned sardines. Like I, yep. I feel like society is like kind of demonizing, not demonizing, them, but like made people think that they taste gross and they're delicious, number one, and they're super freaking good for you. And they're relatively cheap. It's like, it's a couple bucks for a tin. If you buy the ones without soybean oil or canola oil. Yeah. You- make sure
0: it's in water or olive oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And like, if you eat two or three cans of those, it's like, wow, that's six, $7 and you're stuffed afterwards. Like that's yep. a lot of really quality protein and omegas you can get from that. And then- I don't know, you just throw it away in the airport like it's not a big deal you can go get a fork say you forget a fork go to any restaurant yep. they'll give you a plastic fork and you know
0: it. what keep it keep it classy just throw your fingers in there throw them back you're good
1: <laughs> so that way when you get on your flight everybody sits away from you right yeah exactly <laughs> have you ever um you know that patagonia the company yeah yeah so they do some food things as well and they they do like muscles and they're like um i don't remember like lemon herb or garlic herb like they're yes i've seen them in
0: the outdoor i've seen them at the out in the outdoor stores
1: yeah they're kind of pricey but they're also really good and they sit really well with me so like i've brought those before too they give a way over it's like yeah well instead of going to a restaurant and buying crappy food and sitting there for an hour and a half just
0: well you know talking about you know pricier foods i honestly think when you it's all kind of relative like when you eat like nutrient-dense foods and you're not eating every three hours you're really only eating like two maybe three meals a day and i feel like you almost are you sometimes are spending less money because you're just i mean people who are eating every two or three three times a day they're buying all like probably that much more food
1: yeah totally and he from like a calorie perspective it's like you're just you're eating all the time so one like time suck like you're just always thinking about food and you're always eating. But if you're only eating a couple of meals a day, essentially, because they're so, like, protein and fat dense, like, you will save money because you're not buying snacks, number one. You're not buying processed snacks that are not filling you up. And it's right. interesting. And people are like, oh, well, going carnivore, for example, is so expensive. I'm like, like, what's the cost per pound of, like, a Snickers bar? Like, what is that, like, yeah. $30 a pound for just junk? And you can go buy, like, grass-fed finished beef for way cheaper than that. And if you're just buying, like, cheapo beef, that's still way, way cheaper I was at a store
0: the other day checking out my daughter we were at like the paper store she was buying like a stuffed animal and they had candy bars at the counter Uh dude $2.99 for a Twix bar these days I was like holy shit
1: that's freaking wild and how much do those even weigh like two ounces maybe oh
0: my god I remember when I was like a kid they were 75 cents three dollars man that's a pound of like 80 20 beef right there
1: like for real though, or like yeah. some bacon or a 12 pack of eggs, or maybe even yeah. even six eggs. Like that's still way better for you and cheaper than a yeah. or a Twix. Because like if you eat a Twix, you're just like, well, I ate a Twix. Now well, I'm and you're not even food.
0: satiated. Yeah, you're gonna. You're that was like your little pregame before you go eat some pancakes and bacon.
1: <laughs> I never thought about snacks as pregame, but it's funny. <laughs> that uh. makes sense. So like, imagine like if you're gonna eat six eggs with some, say, some cheese and butter. Or whatever, like that's gonna fill you up way more than like three Twix bars or something, or three. Sniff oh, bars. yeah. Yeah. Cause like I could eat a bag of candy, or like it was mentioned earlier, like cereal. Like I used, to, I remember eating like growing up, like an entire box of like Captain Crunch and like, okay, cool. I want more.
0: Oh my gosh. I remember. Like 10 years ago, I was like a super young mom. I was what, like 22 at the time. And on Saturdays, I lived like right near this breakfast joint. And I would literally have to contemplate. I love they had these banana pancakes. They were literally to die for, they were like this big and every Saturday that was like our thing we'd go up there and it got so bad man like I would literally have to think about do I really want to eat these pancakes because those pancakes would literally take me out for the day like I would be ready for bed the second after I had them man like talk about sugar coma being real it just puts you on your ass and it's not even worth it
1: (laughs) yeah I remember going to brunches like for I had a girlfriend lived in Denver for a long time and we'd go to this breakfast place because she had celiac she was diagnosed with celiac so there's like a few places that she could go that were like 100 like gluten-free it was gluten-free like, it's was, it was pretty rad and, like at the time it was like okay, figuring things out in life as far as like diet and nutrition goes and we'd go there and just like just demolish these pancakes that were like almond flour or whatever but then you have like syrup on them and like mimosas and all this crap and it's like we just go home and be like well let's go sleep for two hours you're just so exhausted from eating which is wild yeah like, which is
0: terrible not yeah. normal at all
1: yeah and it's like i don't know flip the switch now it's like cool like go eat some like real food and it's like, okay, I want to go all day and do stuff. Like you just don't feel those, like, like almost like a hangover essentially. Like it's weird. It's
0: exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me, but it's, it's also interesting too, to like be able to compare and contrast those two things of like eating tons of processed carbohydrates, even if they are quote unquote healthy because they're gluten-free to eating just hundred percent real food, like eggs, beef, bacon, cheese, like whatever. Like I, I love raw milk. Like those things just make me feel super good. And it doesn't make any sense to like, okay, I want to go spend $20 at some like overpriced, like trendy diner or whatever well, for nothing. And
0: not to, you know, break anyone's heart, but most of these gluten-free breads, treats, they're all shit.
1: I would 100% agree with that. <laughs> um, I I don't know if you saw, but um, I I wore a CGM for like three months or was it? No, it was, it was months oh, or whatever. Did you?
0: I really, really want to get one.
1: It was really fascinating. Um, Level sent me one, me and my buddy, Mike, they do another show together and we were using them. And it was interesting to see like how different foods affected me. And um, I have a friend and she, she has celiac. We just know each other through running. And so she's always posting about gluten-free stuff. Like I'm making gluten-free sourdough and whatever. And when I was wearing the CGM, she was messaging me about it. And this is something I'd never thought about before, but she was like, yeah, like a lo- I know a lot of people that have celiac, but also become type two diabetic because like, oh, well, I'm gonna eat healthy now because I'm eating gluten-free treats. But they're all loaded. It's loaded with sugar and like hyper processed grains. Yeah.
0: Did you have? Did you eat any gluten free stuff while you were doing the CGM?
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. So I don't know if you heard of this really small town called Silverton, Colorado. There's like 200 people that live there full time, and it's because like in the winter, like it's 9,300 feet. It's up at elevation, so it's all snowed in. Like when I was there, the temps were just like single digits the entire time, negatives at night. But we were there on a film shoot. And like, nothing's open because there's like only a few restaurants in town, but there's a, a brewery called Golden Block Brewery and like, not to just like call them out, but like they make pizza and gluten-free pizza and whatever. So I'm like, okay, we're going there for like a, a group dinner. We got to get some shots. And I was like, I'll make the best in the bad situation. But I was wearing my CGM and I was really curious on how a gluten-free pizza would affect my blood sugar. And it spiked it like crazy. And I felt the effects too. Like I started feeling kind of buzzed, which sounds weird. But then after wow. I checked my levels. I was like, wow, my blood glucose is super high. And so even- Were you think-
0: drinking beer too, or were you just eating no, pizza?
1: I had tea, like just like an herbal tea okay. and the pizza. Yep. And just those hyper-processed grains and that, even though they're not gluten, it definitely spiked my blood sugar to like a massive amount. And it was really eye-opening to me because I'm always like, oh, if I'm eating gluten-free, that's better. It's like, yeah, it's better, but it's like- But it still difference.
0: spikes your blood sugar. Did, how long did it take for it to drop?
1: Um, it was pretty quick, but like, I felt the crash too. Cause like, we were like, we're, it's so close. We could just like walk over there and we're walking back to the house. And I was like, man, I feel super buzzed. And we got back to the house and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired right now. Like I just felt that's awful. fascinating
0: though. I really do want to get one because I feel like I'd, I'd be geeking out with it, experimenting. I mean, I I'll definitely not have any gluten-free crusts. Cause I just, I couldn't do that personally, mm-hmm. but like, just to like, I'd be interested in seeing just like s- certain vegetables, certain fruits, you know what it does.
1: Yeah. It, it's wild. Like I, I experimented a ton. It's like, oh, cool. I'll have just like eggs and like bulletproof coffee for breakfast. And like, no blood like maybe one or two points like very minimal like nothing and then like even like while running if i had like a gel or a sports drink because i was in the act of running or cycling nothing really changed like i even had times where it dropped quite a bit which is really interesting to me and i don't don't know why um but then like after running if you have some carbs like doesn't really affect your blood glucose but then if i'm just like driving and had like even just like a, a ton of fruit it went up but it went down like it was pretty like i don't know it was it was proper and appropriate, but then I experimented. Yep. I went to this grocery store, like a kind of like a like a healthy grocery store. They have a bunch of junk there too. They have normal stuff, but they had like a healthier kind of candy, and I ate that and it just like jacked my blood sugar super high. And I was like, "Wow, that's crazy!" Because even though it's like quote unquote healthy, it's still going to raise your blood sugar. So it's just really cool to like just experiment with different things and find what fits your body like genetically. And it's it's fascinating. Yeah,
0: what yeah. your body can handle and what you probably should not have.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because yeah. some people are like, oh, if I drink caffeine, it raises my blood glucose. So I tried that, like fasted. I'm like, I'm going to have a bunch of caffeine. I think Did I it? A...
0: Did coffee jack it, up, jack it not, up
1: at all? Not for me at all. Like, it was nothing. And then there's... um, there's this So called... that
0: tells me that you're yeah. metabolically healthy.
1: I would hope so. I feel like I've had... Because my, my fasting glucose is higher than I thought would be appropriate. So I've been trying to, like, do things. And that was, like, the benefit of wearing the CGM is I could... I could make changes based off my life specifically, like, okay, maybe I should change this and only consume like carbs around workouts versus just like having carbohydrates in the morning or the evening or something. So it's really fascinating because everybody's like slightly different, right?
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So you should try one. I think you'd really enjoy it. Like, it's super fun.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to, it's on my to-do list for sure.
1: Do it. It kind of becomes like an addiction. Like I would eat something that I'm like, i like pull up my phone. I'm like, okay, it's been five minutes. Like, what are my? what's my level? <laughs> yeah, that'll,
0: that'll be me too. That'll be me too. But it's cool. And you can track it all on your phone too, right? Like you can see everything.
1: Yeah. Um, so the company like levels is the ones that we use. I think I said that, but like, um, they just have a couple, well, of what is it called?
0: Can- I'm going to write it down.
1: Levels is L E V E L S. Okay. And they're a super okay. cool company. And like, I I'll get the backstory wrong a little bit, but I think the woman that founded the company was in med school or something and she just realized that like she wasn't going to be able to help people by being a doctor because it's like you were talking about earlier it's like you're just prescribing you're just fixing something that's broken versus just preventing the the broken right <laughs> preventing the break i don't know how to say that so it's really no cool. i she know what like, you're saying yeah and so she's like man like i just can't i don't feel comfortable doing this because i'm not really like helping people so she started the company so it's really cool like to hear her story about that heck yeah so that's I'd awesome definitely give it a shot but, um I will. We've been kind of going for a minute now, but like what kind of what kind of tips would you give to people like in general that are looking to like, break out of their sugar addiction? Because I know you specialize in that and you're good at it. So like, let's talk about that.
0: Yep. One. Um really ask yourself first if, if you think you have a problem with it. Um and the first step, honestly, to truly getting well is accepting your sugar addiction and accepting that you're gonna have to say goodbye to the things that are hurting you if you want to get better and it's very very black and white and there's really no in between with um moving forward with in, if you want to move forward and overcome sugar addiction um and taking it one day at a time um and and I'm not just saying get a coach because I'm a coach you don't even have to work with me like go work with somebody else but I truly encourage getting help. Um, I got help. I, I tried doing it on my own for so many years. And if it wasn't for my coach, like I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be four years, uh, food sober. Um, and, and look at it as a lifestyle. And I think that, you know, when you come to terms with being set free from sugar addiction, you, it, it, it's sad at first because you're like, Oh my God, like I can't eat these things for the rest of my life. And in the beginning, that's like super, super overwhelming. Like I remember thinking to myself, Oh my God, like you're telling me I'm never going to have like cookies and cake ever again. Like, are you serious? You know, that's like, like, Holy shit. Oh my God. But once you take it like one day at a time, and once you really, really start nourishing your body and and you stop abusing it and 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 beating on it and giving it you know toxic crap you start feeling so much better and little by little day by day you start transforming your life um so i encourage you to just just start
1: yeah i would 100% agree with that and like i think it's almost like a um it's probably a little humbling to like actually ask somebody for help especially with something like food cuz Society doesn't really think of food as an, an addictive substance, even though it is But like asking yeah. for help and like having somebody there, like, and surrounding yourself with people that want to see you succeed. They're just putting like things in, in place to like help you in the future and even short term as well. So like, there's no shame in doing that. I would definitely I'd just say I, I agree 100% with you right there.
0: And and, and don't feel ashamed. Like, I, I think for me, why I have been able to stay so successful and on track is because i'm always talking about it and i mean i even have my own coach still till this day where i don't see her see her or talk to her as much as i did because i'm in a good place but i'll still check in with her you know once a month once every other month just to you know chat you know because i think talking about it and you know knowing that you aren't the only one struggling with it is is part of your healing and your recovery journey
1: yeah speaking of that like I didn't even think about this until now, but I've noticed that as well. Like, say like if I'm I'm traveling, or whatever, if I'm listening to like podcasts about people that eat the same way that I do or that are doing positive things, then I want to incorporate those things while I'm traveling more than just listening to music or watching movies or something. So like surrounding yourself with even though it's not necessarily a coach, but just people that are living the same lifestyle is important.
0: Oh, yeah. And I and I also like educating yourself, right? Or like you just said, listening to podcasts. When you listen to podcasts or, you know, educators, it it's like it, it makes it, it like for me personally, it fires me up and it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they're doing it, too. And it is it's motivating and inspiring and it, it really keeps you on track. And I say, you know, knowledge is power, right? Like the more you know, the better, because when you know certain things, you don't want to do certain things that you used to do because you know better. So when you know better, you do better
1: yeah especially when they're like touting off the benefits of like okay this is gonna like eating this is gonna affect your gut microbiome like as you're eating that food you're gonna be like oh maybe i shouldn't be eating this donut and you just kind of set it down and like okay i'm gonna make a better choice right now
0: yes exactly (laughs)
1: yeah um a long time ago when i was first getting into nutrition and stuff i was in college i think it was like my first or second year in college or something and it was back when like super size me was kind of like it was kind of like trendy or not trendy, but like it was people were watching it at the time. And I was like, I want to watch this film, like where the guy just eats McDonald's every day. And I remember like going out to dinner and grabbing Wendy's and then going home and being like, I'm going to watch Super Size Me. So I'm watching Super Size Me as I'm eating Wendy's. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> so, I don't know what's going on in my head. You know what?
0: no i remember back in the day i actually think it was like when i was pregnant i would and i was like huge when i was pregnant i got up to like over 200 pounds but i would be lit what was that show um like the biggest loser i'd be Uh, watching like the biggest loser with a pint of ben and jerry's ice cream like what am i doing with my life
1: then you had like well i'm pregnant so it's okay
0: it's fine
1: no it's not speaking of that like I, i know you don't have a ton of time right now but um like, would you, or do you have any advice you can give to women that are pregnant as far as like eating healthy? Cause like, obviously like I will never be pregnant as a man, but like, I feel yeah. like. They, sure. Like I this, can give like, you like,
0: advice. I can tell you to do what I, what I didn't do. Okay. So during my pregnancy and everybody's pregnancy is different, but like for me, it was, um, I was young. Um, and it was, it was a difficult pregnancy and, uh, I was terrified because I was a, a twenty year old having a child, I was a baby having a baby, so for me, I went into a really really deep, dark depression and i honestly I, I ate my way through my whole pregnancy and I justified it because I was pregnant um so my advice to you is take care of your body while you are pregnant, nourish your body, eat right, eat real food, and continue to to work out now I'm not saying you need to be you know throwing around, you know, barbells and I mean, you probably can if you want, but take care of your body physically, mentally, emotionally with um, food and, and your workouts and just keep moving and don't justify poor eating behaviors because you're pregnant.
1: Yeah. Not that I'm like by far an expert on like pregnancy and women's health, but I'd imagine (laughs) just eating like a healthy diet during pregnancy would definitely affect your baby and the baby's quality of life in the future.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I honestly, like my daughter, I'm definitely working on her nutrition, but she's, she's a carbolic. And sometimes I wonder if it has anything to do with, I mean, that, I mean, I, that's all I ate when I was pregnant with her, you know? So definitely, I really think that your nutrition when you're pregnant, a hundred percent affects your baby.
1: Yeah. There's been some, I think, rodent studies where they were showing that like even just like seed oil damage can go through generation, generation, generation. I think it's like three no, generations I, or something. So I I'd, I'd, I'd imagine it's similar in humans, maybe not to the same extent. But like if you're, I don't know, it's just like if you're, like we mentioned earlier, if you're doing drugs while you're pregnant and your baby's literally addicted to drugs as they're born, like I wonder if like the carb addiction, sugar, and sugar addiction, yeah, it kind of transfers through the genes or I don't, I bet I don't know it does, drugs, yeah. Uh, It'd be fascinating. I wonder if there are any studies about that. If you find any, like send them over to me because I will. I'd be really curious about that. Um, cool. Um, let's wrap it up. Where can people find you? And yeah. okay,
0: so I am most active on Instagram, so you can find me at Megan dot Alice M E G H A N N dot Alice. Okay. So yeah, any if you have any questions on anything, food addiction, low carb, carnivore message
1: me awesome well thanks for the time today i really appreciate
0: it yeah thank you that was so much fun